Welcome to the Think Podcast. It is Worldview Wednesday. I'm Joel. Oh, there we go. And I'm Pat. Great. Am I muted? Can you hear me? Can you hear me now? You know what? It's these headphones. How you doing, man? I'm good. Can you actually hear me though? I I can I can sort of hear you. I got something wrong with these headphones. It's all good. Oh, you're gone. Well, it's Worldview Wednesday, and I'm flying solo today. Um, until Rafe comes back, he's experiencing some te- technical difficulties. But uh, we are we're having a, a good one today. This is going to be um, this is going to be a lively one, I think. And the reason why is because we're talking about something we've all experienced, and we're going to hopefully, Lord willing, provide some real life advice for you and for me. Advice for all believers. Why do I say that? Because we're talking about. Um, oh, hey, 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 hey! Look who's back. Hey, man, are you, are you here? Hello. Can you hear me? Hold on. Okay. I can hear me, and I can hear you. But you don't seem like you can hear me. I'm going to keep talking. Uh, so we are Rafe. Okay, he's looking at me. If you're listening to this later, <laughs> how's Rafe, that? I I can hear you fine. You can hear me. All right, there we go. You're gonna have a bad. I, I got my bad uh, video camera on there today. Unfortunately, the last one I I put the cord in my backpack earlier this morning and it looks like it bent it. So I have to buy a new uh, oh, wire dude. to connect my camera. You know what? That happens to me every time I move my equipment from one place to another, pack it up. If I move it or touch it in any way, yeah, something goes wrong with it. So, um, well, we're here. I made it. Well, well, good, man. I'm glad you're here. Uh, I was just just telling our uh, our listeners, our viewers, we're talking about something that we've all experienced today, and hopefully, we're going to get some like really practical, actionable, you know, biblical wisdom on how to persevere through a situation that none of us likes to go through but we all we all must go through jesus promised we would go through it and uh and he's going to equip us on how to deal with it so before we get into it man how how you been doing how's life oh man we're good it's a good you know good i feel like we always start with a bit of a catch-up this last sunday we were supposed to have our first uh back in live service Right. Uh, on a Sunday morning gathering, and it was going to be outdoors. We got a great space picked out, and then of course uh, it was beautiful weather on Saturday night. And then woke up Sunday morning to thunderstorms and lightning, so we had to cancel the uh, the first free gathering. Uh, but the church is still the church. We're moving forward. Uh, got a good prayer night for tonight. Got evangelism scheduled for tomorrow, and we'll be right back out uh, there this Sunday mo- this Sunday morning for a live in person gathering. So nice. we're moving forward, man. It's one day at a time, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely, How are you, man? Dude, I went to church indoors for the first time in four months this past Sunday. It well, wasn't right. you were in the land of the free and the home of the Hoosiers. <laughs> that's right. Uh, yeah, I went. I went to Indiana. My family went to Indiana. We've we um, got a, a connection out there, and um, got to spend some time there. And we found ourselves there on a Sunday morning, and um, I won't uh, I won't tell you who attended. I won't tell you what precautions were or weren't taken because 
we've got a lot of listeners who will secretly, silently be judging and condemning me if I share that information. <laughs> but, uh-huh. but it was, dude, it was so good. We sang songs. We prayed. I heard the word preached. I got to sit next to, not too close. We socially distanced. But, uh-huh. you know, next to other believers. Oh, my goodness. It was it was like, it was. It just felt so good. Yeah, man. I'll tell you what. We 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 have to remember as Christians that you know a lot of Christians, and I hope Christians that are listening to this get reminded of this as we talk right now. But there's nothing that can replace the gathered church. Amen. As you and and obviously we want to be very aware of the pandemic, and we want to be very aware of sickness and keeping people healthy and keeping people alive. That should be a priority of Christians. We love people. Yeah. We like uh, and we want to keep them alive. Yeah. Uh, but that the. We also don't throw out the reality that uh, meeting online is not a replacement for the gathered church. Right. It just isn't. I mean, there's there's no way you could replace it. Those who are outside of the church really don't understand that. Uh, when you hear a lot of the commentary being provided on, you know, when to gather, how to gather, all that kind of stuff, most of the commentary from non-Christians, they just see, look, if you have the tools available, do it online. Right. What's the difference? Right. And man, oh man, I mean, you're saying it really well. You, you experienced it this last Sunday. The Christian heart is hungry to gather with the saints, isn't it? We just want to be around people praying. We want to be around others worshiping. We want to have live preaching where the preacher and the people have a preaching moment and the Holy Spirit works and convicts, take communion together. And you can't can't replace that online. And so grateful for the tools we have, but man, I'm hungry too. I'm hungry to get back. Yeah, man, that's good. Well, I'm I'm pumped about Park South Loop opening up, and um, and I'm pumped about Park Forest Glen opening up, and and uh, yeah, but but I will say, Indiana's a different world, man. It's as you well know. Oh, I know. It's it's like it's like you walk around and it's just like, huh? People aren't terrified here. People aren't aren't uh, you know giving everybody the side eye, and and you know in Chicago, at least up by me. It's like everybody's, you know, looking around like, is that guy going to breathe on me? You know, is this guy, is that six feet? Let's get out your tape measure. I know. That's that's not, people, Rafe, someone's going to listen to this five years from now, and they're going to listen to this episode, and they're going to think one of two things. They're going to think, huh, wow, people sure were paranoid. It's funny to think that they, they lost their freedoms to that extent, and everybody got so scared. Or they're going to go, depending on how things go, Rafe, they're going to go, wow, all they had to worry about was, Wearing masks and socially distancing and churches being shut down, huh? I guess that was before the gulags opened up. <laughs> you know, last time I started speaking prophetically about the future, Joel, you said, I don't like to think too much about what's going to come tomorrow. I said I that? Thought, no, well, you didn't say that. You said you don't like to make predictions about what's going to happen. But I'm with you. It can go one of two ways. Who knows what's going to happen tomorrow? That's what I've been telling my people. Every time we make decisions and try to lay down a plan for what it's going to look like. Yeah. You make the best decision you can today with the information you have. You pray, you, yeah. you get good counsel, you listen to the Spirit, yeah. and uh, and then you get ready to do the same thing tomorrow because tomorrow is going to bring a whole new set of uh, data points to work with. Yes, and, and kind we, of, that's the new world we're in. We respect others who make different choices than ourselves because, you know, the last thing we need is believers persecuting other believers at a time like this. Right. And you like that segue there? That's yeah, a, that was good, Joel. We're, you're that's getting what we're good talking at this. about. You're getting good at this. I can I'm, see it. I'm working on it. Um, Joel, tell us. What are we talking about today? We're talking about how to not let the fear of persecution silence your Christian witness. And, you know, man, 
there's a, there's a number of directions we could go with this, but I think the big idea that I really want to tackle and tell me what you think of this, maybe you want to go in a different direction, Rafe, and that's fine. But I think the big idea is this, don't let potential persecution silence your Christian witness. Fear of consequences should not silence our gospel proclamation, our speaking out boldly for Christ. It just, it just shouldn't. And that's, and I want to, we, we can talk about why we're tempted, you know, to be silent. We can talk about, um, you know, other elements like how we have, well, w- what resources God gives us so that we don't have to be afraid. And you know what else we can, we can talk about, Hey, is this all just, you know, do Christians just have a martyr complex? Yeah. You know, like we imagine that we're persecuted, but in reality, we're actually the oppressors. Because you know that you know that people are thinking that they're going to watch this and they're going to go, oh yeah, Christians are real persecuted. Oh yeah, Christianity started all those wars and the Crusades. I mean, that dude, that's what people are going to be thinking, right? And then and then what they're going to say next is, you Christians, you have such a martyr complex. You're never going to be persecuted, and when you are, you're going to deserve it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I I think that's a very uh, small worldview. Because the reality is, is that Christians around the globe today uh, are being martyred at, and killed at a higher degree than any point in human history. And I think it's only in a, if you live in a bubble, uh, and uh, we like to say if you live in a bubble, thinking of like a very small bubble. But if you live, just live in a Western bubble uh, and you don't think about what actually is taking place in the world today, you know, we're going through a lot as a country, right? We live in the USA. We got our issues we're going through and they're not minor. And frankly, when... Uh, because of uh, the hope to the world that a lot of uh, democracy that has been kind of created out of this country is and has, you know, blessed the world in many different ways. It is a it is a threat to the world it, it, with what's going on with America. And so it's very important. But we can't forget that around the globe, there's some there's some tragedies that are taking place that, that aren't even on our radar on a daily basis. There's a great book that I was discussing with a friend of mine recently that was talking about when the Western church talks about issues of justice, the, the topics we bring up, the, the, the topics that are in our sphere of like, what, what is justice? And what are we even thinking about when we think about that term? It, it, it's just a small portion of what the rest of the globe is actually talking about when they talk about justice. I got two articles pulled up here. Here's just headlines for you. For you, Suspe- Suspected Fulani radicals opened fire at wedding party in Nigeria, killing at least 21. Subtitle, gunmen kill at least 30 in two attacks in Kaduna on Monday and Sunday. This one about India. India, Christians who refuse to worship false gods, beaten by tribal animists. Now, it, you're not going to pick that up listening to CNN. If you, if, as Christians, we need to make sure that our worldview is is world like it is is big enough to contain the world. So we're looking at what's taking place, and we're recognizing, man, our our brothers and sisters in faith around the world are being persecuted to a degree that is 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 much different than what we think about when we think about persecution today. It doesn't minimize our reality, and it doesn't change our conversation, but I think it helps frame it. It gives us perspective to discuss what we got to talk about today. Yeah, 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 absolutely, man. You're right. And, you know, we, we shouldn't fall into this trap of thinking that because we're not persecuted in, in such and such particular way, the persecution is not real. And we're, we, we can get to this a little bit later. But, but um, you know, 
uh, okay, thank thank the Lord we're not being thrown in concentration camps. Thank God that that we're not um, you know we're not having our doors kicked in of our local churches. Although although you know although it's not government sanctioned, there have been a number of church based mass shootings you know in recent yeah, yeah. And that's persecution too. It's not just government persecution. Right. So thank God that we don't deal with some of the other forms of persecution. But I think that, I think what we want to address today is both the reality of persecution, but also the fear that is associated with it. Because the fact of the matter is, okay, maybe I'm not being persecuted personally, but according to the Bible, I'm part of the same household of faith as you, as, uh, you know, believers down in Texas, as believers up in Alaska, you know, as believers in Nigeria. And so when I hear about Christians getting persecuted, um, and of course, the closer to home that it is, the more it impacts me in terms of my own emotional state. But let's say that there was a church down the road in, uh, in Old Irving Park in Chicago. And let's say that it was, I mean, God forbid, but let's say that, you know, something terrible happened to, you know, an act of arson or something like that, as is happening in France a lot lately. Okay. Let's say there was an act of arson on a church. Okay. And, and there was a note posted, you know, uh, uh, you know, we're going to, we're going to destroy, uh, all tyrannical, oppressive churches, um, whatever, you know, okay. That's not my church that got attacked, but that has an, uh, that has a chilling effect on my own liberty, my own freedom to go and worship. I'm going to be now more afraid when I take my kids to my church than I would have been. And so um, when my brothers and sisters are attacked, it affects me not only out of sympathy for them, but also realizing that I could be next. And what happens, Rafe, is uh, as, as we're seeing the atmosphere turning more acidic, against Christianity in the West and in, uh, in, you know, these formerly Christianized nations like the United States, we can go back and forth on whether or not the United States was a Christian nation. It was at least Christianized. Right. Well, what happens is that has a chilling effect on believers where, where, okay, maybe we're still, maybe we still feel safe gathering on Sunday mornings. Although, you know, (laughs) find me the, Find me the Christian in Illinois or at least Chicagoland right now who feels perfectly safe doing that, okay, for other reasons. But then, um, but what about speaking up at, at work? You know, what about um, what about approaching my public, my kids' public school teachers and challenging the curriculum that they're introducing? You know, they've they've got they've got new curriculum being introduced this year that um, is going to be teaching some very unbiblical ideas. Do I still feel at liberty like I can do that? Or am I am I concerned now because the atmosphere is growing more acidic and maybe I better just keep my mouth shut so I'm not branded one of those Christians, one of yeah. those bigots, you know? And and so we need to talk about why as Christians we are tempted to remain silent. We need to talk about the calling that we have to not be silent. And then we need to talk about how to overcome that fear or how God overcomes that fear for us. So, you know, I, I put together some notes, man, but I know you got some stuff too. So, um, what, well, and what I think maybe it's good, a good starting point just to comment on what you just shared. And, and if, if you listen to this podcast, you know, some of the themes we talk about, they're themes that come up every week. I mean, if you are, if you are desiring to be a learner, 
in the field of world of worldview, in the field of apologetics, one of the first things that you're going to come across, and the reality is, is that there is no neutral. There, and, and that's one of the great lies of the world around us, and one of the reasons why this conversation is so important. So thinking about what Joel just said, the world would have you believe that there is some invisible neutral, there's some invisible standard by which we should think about what education should look like, what government should look like, what policy should look like at the local level, the federal level. And pretty much everyone's in agreement what that neutral is. Christianity is this um, kind of bad apple that it, it has these non-neutral ideas. And so we, you know, the secular culture just kind of says, just keep it to yourself. Let neutral drive the train. And the reality is, and again, you should be hearing this all the time if you're interested in this kind of stuff. There is no neutral. There's no worldview that is set up in such a way that it has the corner on what truth is. Well, actually, Christianity. <laughs> Christianity has the corner on what truth is. Let me take that back. But outside of Christianity, there's no worldview that doesn't have its own bias. There's not some commonplace where everyone agrees and then, you know, there's outliers on the outside. And so as a Christian, thinking about stuff like what you just talked about, what should the, what should the textbooks be for our kids in elementary school? Because they're getting stuff that's so far from truth, like objective, rational, consistent, coherent truth, and it's being taught to them. And it's being taught to them because we're in a day and age where there's political agendas that are putting pressure to brainwash our children. Now, that's a bold statement. We could have a whole show on that at some point. However, if that's the case, all that is is a worldview being pushed, one of many. And the idea of America, and actually one of the freedoms of our country, the concept is not that your faith stays out of the issues of politics, stays out of the issues of how a community is organized, stays out of how education works, but actually that you bring your faith with a consistent worldview to bear into those decisions. And so different worldviews are able to be wrestled through at a local level, and you come to conclusions for a community. Now, in the early phases of America, communities were largely Christian, thanks to the preaching of George Whitfield. George Whitfield literally converted, and Jonathan Edwards and some of those guys, they converted a large amounts, or not Jonathan Edwards, and John Wesley back then, they converted like 80% of uh, the colonies at the time. And so when these communities were being formed, it was very much Christian worldviews. There were other worldviews being brought in there to discuss, but everyone brought their faith to bear on these issues. Today, Christians largely think their voice should not be faith-based when going to the public space. And that is not Christian. Yes, because we've Christian. envisioned this idea that there is a neutral public space. I love how you said that, man. And, you know, what, what you were just talking about really brought to mind this, this article from the New York Times. This is back from January 10th, 2015, written by Frank Bruni. It's called... Your God and My Dignity. Now, this was addressed by Al Mohler on the briefing a couple years ago, probably probably about five, six year, or, uh, five years ago. And um, anyway, he talks about religious liberty. And what he says is, now this is right at the end. Here's what he says. And I think this expresses very well what you were just talking about. He says, quote, And I support the right of people to believe what they do and say what they wish in their pews, hearts, sorry, in their pews, homes, and hearts. But outside of those places, 
You must put up with me just as I put up with you. Okay, Rafe, look at the two different things going on here. On the one hand, we've got this, this sort of tolerance um, uh, uh, thing. And by the way, this is what? This is January 2015. Later that year, yeah, yeah, right. Later that year, that's when Obergefell was passed and uh, gay purported marriage. I don't consider it to be real marriage. Um, okay, I threw that out there, Rafe. Biblically, operating out of a biblical worldview, marriage is a man and a woman. I think we could talk about that another time as well. Now that I've offended twenty-five percent of our listeners, I'm going to go ahead and move on. The um, look it up. It's in the. It's, look it up in here. Look it up in here. All right. Um, oh man, I get myself in trouble every time, Rafe. No, you're, you're, it's clear. I mean, you're right. The biblical worldview says that marriage is between a man and a woman. Now, and so it's, right. that's okay. Now, that being said, this idea of tolerance, that's a biblical idea. Mm-hmm. Freedom of conscience is a biblical idea. The idea, you don't become a Christian by force. You become a Christian by repentance and faith. That requires liberty of conscience. What that means is, even the, the Apostle Paul says, we don't judge those outside the church. Now, does that mean we have nothing about morality to say to those outside the church? Far from it. We've got plenty to say. That's kind of what you and I are equipping believers to, to do on these Worldview Wednesday podcast episodes. But this idea of, of getting along with each other treating each other peacefully, being at peace with everyone. These are biblical concepts. Frank Bruni seems to think that these are neutral ideas and that religious ideas need to be confined to, as he says, our our pews, homes, and hearts. But that is not an expression of freedom or liberty or, uh, uh, you know, religious liberty as was intended by the framers of the Constitution. Religious liberty is the liberty to practice and believe and speak out about and act from your religious conviction in all spheres of life without anyone telling you that you can't do that or we're going to threaten you if you can't do it. And so what he what he's doing is he's trying to smosh two ideas together. You keep your religion to yourself, but I'll take that idea, that religious idea that you that uh, your Bible came up with, that your God came up with, and I'm going to take that. And I'm going to take that and make that one of my neutral ideas. But in doing these things, he's not being neutral. He's being one-sided. And you know what? Right. He's entitled to do that. But I don't have to agree with him. And I, just like he can write his column, I can write my podcast or you know, uh, broadcast my podcast refuting that. And that free exchange of ideas is so crucial to a society in which, well, look, as believers, we want the gospel to go forward. So we need to be able to, f- to, to have the freedom to be able to, to speak and express our viewpoint. Uh, once we start to make religion some sort of private thing, as if religion is separate from like, you know, just all the, the, the neutral ideas that we all should just agree with, you know, that's where you really start to run into trouble. And I think that's where, um, ha- I think the church has adopted that. I think we've, mm-hmm. allowed, we've allowed the world to get away with that false dichotomy. And the world, guess what? is not neutral. And now they're starting to take that capital that we've given them and they are starting to turn that around against us. And we are starting to see the, the encroachment of uh, social pressure to remain silent, right? governmental pressure to remain silent. And, uh, you know, uh, God forbid, even threats and, 
and actions of violence. So let's 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 shift a little bit. I think the for me when I think about persecution and I think about the, the, the Christians in my church. So just a few weeks ago, I preached out of the Sermon on the Mount on pray for your persecutors, pray for those who persecute you. And one of the uh, that's a that's a funny comment, by the way, from Jason. Uh, one of the uh, issues that I wanted to bring up was in that sermon. The ability to endure persecution, the ability to even frame persecution in the in its proper lane, to actually understand it for what it is, and to rejoice. Like the scripture and our, and the rich Christian history actually shows a, a rejoicing um, from Paul, a rejoicing. You look, you go through these saints of old and what they went through. You read Justin's book of martyrs, right? You go back to the old school stuff and you you read. Foxes. What people, uh, Foxes, sorry, Foxes, mm-hmm. uh, Book of Martyrs. You, you read this stuff, they rejoiced at the opportunity to, uh, to be persecuted. Uh, and it wasn't a desire to be in pain. It wasn't like some kind of sick and twisted, like, I, I love pain and that's what my faith is. Right. It was just recognizing that part of the, the way the kingdom expands is uh, through the blood of the saints. And in fact, oftentimes that's what fast tracks the kingdom growth. Um, and so what I like to say when we're talking about persecution, it's, you know, especially for guys uh, and, and women who are listening, you kind of have like a, a fiery zeal kind of like aspect to them. I think it's very easy to kind of have in your mind all the things you would do when you were under persecution, right? Like, oh, I know I, how I would behave if I was uh, one of these guys. But the reality is, our understanding in our worldview of persecution has to be rooted on a genuine love and worship of Jesus. It has to be bubbling out of you. There's got to be this joy deep down inside of you that Jesus elected you, died on the cross for you, shed his blood that you could have life eternal, eternal, and that heaven is yours. All the inheritance of Christ, it's at your disposal because you've been adopted into his family. If that's not causing this like joy and this regular place of falling on your knees before a holy God and just putting your hands up and saying, I- I'm not worthy. You are good. I-, I want more of Jesus. If that's not your posture, then what's going to happen is when the slightest bit of persecution comes your way for what you say you believe, I- you're going to have to weigh, do you think it's worth it? You're gonna to have to. You're gonna to have to weigh the question, and 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 if you you haven't been living as if it's worth it, then persecution won't be worth it for you. But the person who is rooted on Christ and is maturing in their faith and growing in their love of Jesus, when you get to a place where someone pushes on you and you all of a sudden have something significant to lose, whatever that is, for the name of Jesus Christ, if you have been consistently living in a place where you know He's worthy, and your life's been showing it. You, you say him, you talk about him unapologetically because you can't not talk about him. Like, what, what else is there to talk about? I don't know. It all falls underneath his kingship. He, he has control over all of it. Then when persecution comes, whatever it looks like, man, is he worthy? You bet he's worthy. He was worthy yesterday when I was on my knees thanking him for everything in my life. <laughs> and he's worthy right now when I'm being persecuted by you. And so we have to root ourselves in authentic, genuine worship. Otherwise, to be honest with you, and there is a bit of Christian history here, which is important to realize. Some people have run towards persecution 
and they almost have a martyr complex where they they're looking like there's actually a season in church history where people are looking and trying to get killed it's a, it's it's yeah. a bizarre yeah. season of history that's not what jesus is after right he doesn't want you to go out and intentionally get yourself hurt killed or hated but he wants you to love him and know he's worthy that when any of those stuff comes your way he said it would dude so good you're right um after the uh as the roman empire really began to legalize and tolerate christianity there was there was um such a a, a desire to really suffer for Christ on the part of a lot of Christians, but there was no longer the opportunity to because there wasn't that mass governmental um, persecution. And so actually that's where a lot of those, those desert um, ascetics, uh, you know, the, the guys who used to, you know, the monks who would go out into the wilderness and, you know, live a life of hardship and, and intense fasting and deep prayer. These guys, basically, they were trying to afflict themselves because nobody else was afflicting them. And God brought good out of that. I mean, I think, you know, from that movement, the monasteries came and, you know, the monasteries, I mean, they preserved a lot of the, the manuscripts of of uh, you know the New Testament, and not to mention they ended up brewing some really great beer, is from what I understand, uh, <laughs> and especially those German monasteries, you know. But um, but you know, man, Scripture, you're right. We shouldn't be looking for persecution, but Scripture prepares us for it. Mm-hmm. And and we're getting some great comments here. You know, one one guy, uh, Jason Clar, is saying. We will never suffer like Perpetua in the Book of Martyrs. We have little to fear compared to the early martyrs. You know, Perpetua was fed to wild beasts, and then before they even killed her, she was slain with the sword. Yeah. You know, in the in the Colosseum, and uh, or in the auditorium, whatever it was, um, the stadium. Lord willing. <clears throat> What's that? Lord willing, we'll never suffer like that. Lord willing, that's right. <laughs> That's right, but no one knows what tomorrow brings, and I and I, I do believe that's true. I don't think any of us in America are going to suffer that way for our faith, unless the Lord, of course, calls you to pick up and move overseas, which He's called many to do. Amen. Uh, but we don't know what tomorrow brings. No one does. Well, you know what you know what the cool thing is. God's word prepares us for a life of discomfort here and a life of torture elsewhere. It prepares us for any and all levels of persecution right. and um, and discomfort. And this is when we understand that Scripture prepares us for this. That bolsters our strength, dude. As you were talking, I was getting fired <laughs> up, man. I was feeling it because you know what? Jesus is worthy, worthy. of our dedication. So you know, I, this. I'll go ahead, go ahead. Oh no, 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 go, go, go. Well, just a quick, a real quick story. I remember being in seminary. Maybe I shared this on this podcast once. I remember being in seminary in a very, very uh, touching moment in my seminary classes. It was, uh, I don't know what classes it was, but my professor was talking to us about his daughter who wanted to move overseas to a very dangerous part of the globe in order to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to those who had never heard it. Wow. Uh, and he knew the risk that his daughter was taking as a single woman. Uh, not just as a person, but as a single one particularly. And he walked us through the conversation he had with his daughter. Now, I'm, I'm a dad of three daughters. <laughs> and, and some of the stuff he talked about with his daughter are literally my worst fear, like my worst fear for my daughter. But he pulled her aside as a young woman. And he said, you have a desire to bring Jesus, the light of the world, to the dark places of this world where Jesus has been forbidden where the government has set up a forbidding of bringing the name of Jesus in that could get you not only killed like high chance of getting killed, but worse 
as as a woman in some of these places when you that rape is a situation that there's tons of stuff that can happen to you going in and doing this and he looked at her and he said i want to equip you for if any of that happens i'm your dad and he walked her through how to trust in jesus even in the midst of the worst imaginable i had tears this is before i had kids i had tears in my eyes just hearing that dad talk about preparing his daughter but him as a dad saying is this worth it and saying he is worthy he is worthy yeah now there you, you, you have to build that kind of faith into your life of knowing he is, he is more worthy than anything you could hold on to with your own two hands in this life. Sorry, as you were, as you were talking, that got me thinking about that story, and I wanted to share that because that has always put a fire in my belly whenever I've been forced to ask, is he worth it? I go back to that, Dad. So Amen. go ahead. I, I this. That's good. That's good. Uh, you know, I'm a little distracted because there's, there's someone commenting right now on YouTube. And, you know, uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi said that uh, Moss Eisley was the, the greatest hive of scum and villainy in the, in the galaxy. Uh, he never saw YouTube comments. So uh, we're, <laughs> we've got somebody, somebody telling, uh, somebody putting, um, he's saying that uh, he's destroying the Trinity in the comments or, or his beliefs are destroying. So it's like, come on, man. Like we're talking about, we're talking about the Lord here, you know, uh, freedom of speech you know somewhere else no no um <laughs> uh, he can right. comment maybe on, maybe on a future show we'll we'll show the inconsistency of his comments but not right now yes 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 that's right okay um i i uh, i'll leave them up for now i'll check and see if they're blasphemous and if so i'll, I'll take them down later um so so uh because we're because this is our youtube channel we're free to we're free to have the message put forward that we want okay the Apostle Paul says this in 2 Timothy chapter 1. I was just reading this this morning. For God gave us, this is verse 7, for God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in the suffering for the gospel by the power of God, who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began and which has now been manifested through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, for which I was appointed a preacher and apostle and teacher, which is why I suffer as I do. Man, how's that for a, a sentence, man? <laughs> but good old Pauline sentence runs for about three seriously. chapters. So look what he says. He goes, he goes, look, God did not give you a spirit of fear. God did not get so are you feeling fearful? You're afraid of the persecution? You're afraid? Now, okay, maybe you're afraid of the lions in the Colosseum, Perpetua. Maybe you're afraid of the gulags, uh, you know, in Soviet Russia. Maybe you're afraid of the concentration camps in Nazi Germany or modern-day China, which we do have to tackle at some point in the near future. Or, or maybe you live in the United States of America where you're afraid that if you speak out about what the Bible says about the nuclear family, or what marriage is, or what it means to be male and female, or or who Jesus uh, what, is? What's that? 
who Jesus is. Or who Jesus is. Right? Maybe you're afraid of sanctions. You're afraid of job loss. Um, maybe you're afraid of getting kicked out of your school if you're a college student. Or maybe you're just afraid of being socially ostracized. That fear is not from the Lord. It's not from the Lord. It's from your circumstances. It's from your own heart. It is something that you must not let take over because that's not what the Lord has given you. That's not how he wants you to live. And so, you know, there's a reason why in Revelation, when it talks about who's going to be thrown, uh, who's going to be punished, who's going to be thrown into the lake of fire, it says the cowards, the cowards. are in that group. Yeah. Bro, I tell you, when I first saw that, I know. that convicted me to the core. I know. Like, it. Because, because that... If you are living in cowardice, if you're living in fear, you cannot love your Lord. You cannot love your neighbor because perfect love drives out fear. And if I love my neighbor, I will speak the truth to my neighbor. Not in some kind of Bible bashing kind of way. Most of the time, sometimes guys need a little Bible bashing. That's all right. I've needed by I've needed to be bashed with the Bible before. Uh-huh. Even Hey, let me give you an example from. I wore the I wore the seam on my Bible out on your head there, Joel. <laughs> That's you know, right. I mean, look at that thing; it's falling apart. You got a hard That's head. Right. That's right. That's good. I do. I do. Uh, but um, but even just earlier, man, when I was hemming and hawing about what I said about you know marriage being between a, a man and a woman, and I'm going to get in trouble, somebody just posted in the comments, "Don't be afraid to say." what marriage is and i needed to hear that that's good i'm talking about fear right now and i'm i'm hemming and hawing while i'm even talking about it so so what is the spirit from god the spirit from god is a spirit of power and love and a sound mind or self-control bro these are the things that we need and this is okay how do we get those things well oh do we just say i i will not be afraid a hundred times into the mirror no no, we we go to the author and the finisher of our faith. If if fear and cowardice is sin, and it must be if it's going to be punished, then that means that 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 sin was conquered at the cross of Jesus Christ. Right. What that means is fear cannot and must not have dominion over our lives any more than drunkenness, alcoholism, or envy can have dominion over us. Yeah. And now now. That might sound insensitive for someone to say, oh, but you don't understand. I'm, I'm genuinely afraid. And now you're just browbeating me and telling, telling me to repent. You know what? I don't want to browbeat you, but you do need to repent. I need to repent if I'm feeling uh, fearful. And, and I'm talking about it's one thing to be afraid and then to give that fear over to the Lord. It's another thing to sit and marinate in that fear and to not believe the promises of God as if God hasn't given us a spirit of power and love and a sound mind, power to overcome and to persevere, uh, uh, love to speak the truth to my neighbor, to speak God's truth because I love him, and a sound mind to realize that God is in control. I can still think clearly. My words don't have to get jumbled. I can say God's truth in a clear and compelling way. And and look, if we don't do this, uh, the Bible has a, a word for the 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 for trouble and for um uh calamity and that word is woe w-o-e the apostle paul says in first corinthians 9 16 he says for if i preach the gospel that gives me no ground for boasting for necessity is laid upon me woe to me if i do not preach the gospel yeah 
Woe to me, trouble and calamity befall me if I do not step into that spirit of power that God has given me and, and open up my mouth and proclaim his truth. Yeah. Man, my, as you're talking, one of the things my mind is doing is connecting a number of the dots throughout the Bible. I, I don't know why I did this. At my wedding, Joel, you know, you, you, we chose some, ver- some passages of scripture to read. And I wasn't even thinking about this is, I don't know what I was thinking. I wasn't even thinking about like, what would be a good wedding verse. Um, I just went to my very favorite passage in scripture, which is Joshua chapter one, where Joshua is commanded to be strong and courageous. And so I, I had that read at my wedding. No way. Yes. I don't know why. I, I remember, I remember being in my wedding and thinking, why did I choose this passage for wedding? This is kind of weird. That's, However, a very, that's a very Chenery thing to do. I there you go. There you go. Um, however, I think it's it's a fitting passage maybe to, to fit into here. This is not a new thing. The, 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 the call for followers of the God of the Bible to stand in the midst of other nations who despise the God of the Bible and to have... Uh, to, to ask the Lord to take away fear and to replace it with boldness and courage, to do the work that he's assigned us. We're not here to pass our time. That's not why God left us here. We're not here to uh, play defense and try to, you know, foul ball the pitches that are coming in, right? We're here to uh, bring the name of Jesus Christ to bear on all things into every place where we go. And we do it with the collective community. We do it with the church. We do it by the power of the Holy Spirit. But the idea is not play defense and the idea is not hide. And from the all through scripture, God's people, if you're a follower of the God of the Bible, Joshua, be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. Be, why did he need str- strength and courage? Well, because they were going to a country full of giants. They were outnumbered. They had just been slaves. They, they weren't necessarily trained military men. And they were going into military fortresses oftentimes. And, and what God said is, trust me. Trust me. I've... I've called you to go do this work, and I will be with you the whole way. And and yeah. so they trusted. And when they failed to trust, when they tried to go out and do it on their own, it always it always went terribly. And all through. And then what do you find Peter praying uh, right before Pentecost? They start praying for boldness and courage. That's their prayer. God, would you give us boldness and courage? And then yep. Peter walks out into the middle of uh, the temple surrounding courtyard area. And he walks out and he says that there is salvation in no other name, but in Jesus Christ, which is a direct smack in the face to Caesar in the day, because Caesar, we talked about this. Caesar uh, wanted you to recite. There is salvation in no other name, but Caesar. He, cause he elevated himself to God as God. And then Peter went out there knowing, knowing that this was a direct affront to Caesar, the one who would be able to persecute him and did eventually throw him in jail, and he eventually lost his life. What am I trying to say? The the need for followers of the God of the Bible to pray for courage and boldness and strength, to do and to say and to love the way Christ would have us love in the face of nations and those who look in and despise Jesus, that is a consistent theme from the beginning of the pages of the Bible all the way through the end. This is nothing new. This is what God's people have always done. It's the joy that's set before us, right? What is what is Matthew? Uh, Jesus says in Matthew ten. Um, let me read this. He says, "Do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Yeah. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell." And then he goes on to talk about the love of God. 
He says, so everyone that acknowledges me before men, I also will acknowledge before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I also will deny before my Father who is in heaven. Now, these passages are not teaching you can earn your salvation by any means. That if you, you know, if you have courage in your moment, that that's earned you salvation. What it's saying is someone who's been genuinely changed by the grace and the love of Jesus Christ, there will be a public boldness, a public courage that wells up in you over time, that you've got to speak of the love of Jesus. Um, so maybe that, that, that puts a little bit of a, an angle as we begin to think about this. This is nothing new. Yeah. The days are changing radically and quickly in America today. I mean, it's, you know, the country we are right now is very different than what we were three months ago. It's not the same. And in three months, it's going to be very different than it is today. It looks different every day. So yep. pray for boldness and pray for courage. Yes. And this is why it's so important to remember that our citizenship is in the new Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. It is our, our primary identity is in Christ. We, we want to be the best citizens possible of our earthly city. But this, is, this city is not our home. Our true home is in heaven with Christ. And bro, when we fix our eyes on him, we fix our eyes on Jesus Christ, the Lord Jesus Christ, who not only, think about this, he conquered death himself. He faced the worst, you want to talk about persecution. He faced the worst this world had to offer, Roman crucifixion. Bit the dust, went, was buried, rose on the third day according to the scripture, and then ascended back to heaven after declaring boldly that all authority in heaven and on earth had been given to him. Okay, then he goes up, he sits down on the right hand of the Father, at the right hand of the Father. And then what happens? Acts chapter, is it seven, when Stephen is martyred? Mm-hmm. Stephen looks up to heaven and he says, I see the Son of God, I see Jesus standing at the right hand of the father as stephen is being stoned to death he looks up and sees the lord jesus christ standing up next to his throne in honor and uh and and uh an encouragement and power as as stephen is preparing to come home because you know prior to that prior to jesus going up when you died you went down to sheol but Jesus cleared the way for us to go up to heaven. So now here comes Stephen. Maybe, maybe, maybe the first Christian to die in the new covenant era. I don't know, but it's certainly the first one to be martyred. And, and there he goes. Now he's, he's going up to heaven and Jesus is standing to welcome him. Mm. If that doesn't encourage you, if that doesn't flip the whole narrative inside out, oh, I'm so terrified of losing my job. Jesus is standing in honor of Christians who are martyred, Christians who, who, Uh, lose their job, Christians who lose their lives, Christians who lose their relationships, Christians who lose their standing. I was just reading in Proverbs 22 today. It talked about how a good name is worth more than silver and gold. But you know what? For Christ, we're willing to lose both our silver and gold and our good name because it's more important to us to have a good name with God than it is for us to fear man and to worry about our earthly reputation. So dude, there's a lot in scripture. We gotta get our priorities in order. And I'm telling you what, the the church in America has to get their priorities in order. And I'm not just saying the pastors. (laughs) I mean, every individual Christian, the church is a body of believers. We gotta get our priorities in order. And it's gotta be about lifting up the name of Jesus Christ. He's the King. 
He's the king. It's not us. It's not our little visions. It's not our little missions. It's Christ and his kingdom. And until we get that priority in order, this is going to seem like some conversation that we're, you know, we're speaking another language, uh, but we're not. This is yeah. the critical call. Yeah, it's good. All right, man. I've got to go. So good. Joel, I always love these conversations. Me too. Me too. I, I, at some point soon, this, the, the, we should be in the same room. Yeah, let's do it. probably start doing that. You know what, man? Now that I've been to Indiana and tasted freedom, yeah, I've got a, I've got a taste for it. It's like a, it's like a when a wild animal, like when a shark gets a taste for blood. You know, now I've got a. They always want more. <laughs> no, I've got a taste for freedom, and I want more. Um, good. All right, man. Hey, um, good stuff. Connect with the Think Institute by going to the Think dot institute get all of our podcast episodes we've got a courses library there to get you equipped engaged and encouraged to explain share and defend the christian message get great quality content from pastor rafe by going to rafechenery.com and that's all we have for you today um, i sure hope it was helpful i think it i think it was going to be helpful for you i think it will be helpful for you um and uh, man, I've already got one mind out, one half of my mind out the door here. So um, let's just wrap it up. God bless you guys. This is not, this is not goodbye. This is just a little pit stop along the way of your spiritual journey. Until next time. We hope it needs you think. That was a rough ending. Bye.